Rosa. That is strange. What is? What are you guys looking at? Looks like the sunset to me. No, Greg, that's east. Sunset behind us 20 minutes ago. Well, what do you think it is then? Maybe a fire, or maybe a plane crash in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, plane crash. It could be. Crash, man. Hey, what the hell is it? Maybe we should just turn back. Huh? That's that's gotta be a fire. Moving. I saw it. It is a moving body. Look, man. Is it? That's one monster forest fire. Yeah, fire my ass. That ain't no fire, man. What else could it be? What the heck is going on here, Mike? Are you screwing around? No. Mike, maybe, maybe we're going to do like Greg says and just pull over for, for a minute. So. No, Mike, I want to see what it is. There's only one road out of here, and we're on it. If that's a fire, we can't get around it. We're going to be spending the night out here. If you can see it on the live stream, that is the eyeball of Eric Branstrom. He's trying to reenact a scene from the movie we're going to talk about today. Fire in the Sky, 1993 film starring D.B. Sweeney. Is it really starring D.B. Sweeney? I don't know. We can talk about that later. Uh, seems like Robert Patrick's movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, at any rate, we'll cover that. Does it hold up? That's our signature segment. We'll be doing that in a little bit, as we always do. Travis Roy. Eric Branstrom in the his house. Uh, you know, we were we weren't off. We just did the last show really early. And we want to apologize that we were not able to get out an audio version of our wonderful show that we did with the man himself, Daryl Edge, who came on to do the Weatherman. He does his own Nick Cage podcast. We pushed it really hard. And uh what I will tell you is the YouTube 
absolutely exists of that show. The video of it is up there in our YouTube channel, Cinema Nine Pod. Please go check it out. And we feel terrible about it. I, I tried everything. I just was not able to get the audio file to work. Yeah, if anybody has any recommendations on how we could get the audio from YouTube, so, uh, you know, captured so we can get that up in all, all of its regular places, it was a real shame to have Daryl from the Cage Rage podcast on and have him do such an awesome job and have a great show with him. And then um, I guess it's kind of like a, a, an Easter egg. Which it's only on our YouTube, so go to our YouTube, check that out. It is uh, it is solid stuff. But yeah, we it is good to be back uh, after our Thanksgiving break. It's good to see my co-hosts grinning smiling just so happy faces yeah jet skis jet skis uh, yeah eric eric Bradshaw, how you doing buddy happy thanksgiving and uh happy holiday season to you gentlemen yeah happy holidays I, you get you've been doing some decorating for valentine's day what's going on back there valentine's day no the, see what's oh, the heart. they're, they're hearts but you know I'm oh, there we go I got, I got, we got this we got All that right. yeah stay up in this bitch i'm gonna i'm gonna start decorating this weekend <laughs> Good. Yeah, we put our tree up uh, on Sunday. It's not finished, but the tree is up, and it's in Beautiful. the bedroom, which is a questionable choice. But there was just huh. such a perfect spot. There's look at the if you. I don't know about this. There's a lot of clutter here in the living room, and uh, <laughs> just not a spot for a. Uh, you you know, couldn't uh, break down the drums for a season for a, or for a month. Could you play them? Yeah, you play them that I, often. I do try. That's good. Um, Good. You know, you know how drummers hate to like break their shit down. Yeah. That's why being a drummer sucks in the band. You gotta break it all down and you, carry you it all there. You could move that gentleman wrapped in latex by the hot behind you. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's got some. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, there he is. DB screaming. DB screaming. If you're uh, watching screaming. the YouTube thing, yeah, he's got the clip of him. Yeah. He doesn't actually have a, like a shrunk wrap, wrapped body in his living room. At least if you can <laughs> yeah. see, maybe off camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's yeah, it's pretty isolated out here. I could probably pull that off. Either way, yes, it is the holiday season. Uh, the next pick is Eric's. So at the end of the show, Eric will reveal his choice. And I got a feeling it could be holiday related. I do have a feeling. Um, you got to take advantage of it while you can, too. So I respect that. Either way, Cinema 9 Pod at ProtonMail.com. Please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. That is the way that you can help the show be exposed to a greater audience. And then we can engage even more meaningfully and deeper about movies. Sounds cool, doesn't it? Sounds nice. <laughs> it does sound nice. Yes. Nice. Very classy. Uh, <laughs> all right. So having said that, why don't we begin? It's been a minute. It's going to be a long segment. Quarantine viewing picks. What are the recommendations? What have you been watching, Travis Roy? Uh, I, I, you know, it's been it's been a minute, but it's also been like a you know holiday minute. I was visiting family and that kind of stuff, so I didn't watch a ton of movies. And a lot of the stuff that I watched, I watched with them. Uh, but uh, like, well, so I watched with them, for instance, with my with my mom and like my sister and like some other family. Uh, Home for the holidays from from nineteen ninety five, which we. Had an infamous episode <laughs> on last year, but uh, you know it was really nice to watch that like with my family because it's like a family classic for us. So it was nice to watch that with my family on Thanksgiving, and we and Aww. we the day before we watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So it was like you know the classic kind of like in our opinion top Thanksgiving movies of that limited genre. Um, so that was fun, and uh, also checked out my first Christmas movie of the season with my mom. We watched uh, The Man Who Invented Christmas with Dan Stevens. You guys familiar with this movie? 
This is uh, this is a kind of a biopic of uh, of, of Charles Dickens um, while he's writing a Christmas Carol, and Dan Stevens plays him. And it's like if you've watched like every version of a Christmas Carol as I have, and kind of would like a refreshing new take on it, I, I definitely recommend this because it's like you're seeing him get inspired. You're seeing like mm. what he's drawn it from. Like it's I mean like it's it's a pretty dang good Christmas movie, and uh, I liked. I like this, despite its awful title, The Man Who Invented Christmas is a terrible title for a movie, utterly forgettable and um, not entirely accurate. In, as, and anyways, um, but yeah, that was good. I watched, um, I watched, I think I finally watched a Nick Cage movie that I hated, that even despite wow. him being in it, I was finally like, what the fuck is this? And that was oh, Prisoners, of, Prisoners of the Ghostland uh. this year is just so contrived and like uh trying to be a cult movie that's really like every, every scene it just feels like yep like there's a reason why they hired nick cage for this because they're they're really just like intentionally being like let's just go over the top as much as we can and uh it was but it was boring like it was dull i was bored by it which is i don't know man you got like you got like ghosts in the apocalypse and and like uh with nick cage you make a boring movie shame on you how dare you how dare you george do us george c scott how dare you good day sir uh i'm gonna be (laughs) good day sir i um i also uh since i'm gonna be on uh speaking of the cage rage podcast i'll be on there talking about arsenal uh soon the nick cage film which i didn't realize was actually kind of a loose sequel to 1993's deadfall which i'd never seen before watched it also not a nick cage movie i could recommend even like in 93 it's definitely him starting to play with it and have fun and like not really try and make a good movie more just kind of enjoy himself and so it's worth it for that to watch that evolution in him um Mm -hmm. but it was not a good movie and officially bumps um Dances with Wolves for worst narration. Michael Bean's narration. He's oh, a terrible no. fucking oh, narrator. Man. In fact, he's terrible in the movie. Like he's just really, like he's a, he's the lead. And, like it ain't so. Just bad. Uh, Oscar bait. King Richard. Oscar bait. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. But it was good. I'm not gonna lie. I, I enjoyed it. You know. Um, fucking great performance from from Will Smith. Don't be surprised if he wins the Oscar for this one. Um, I think what? that's the. Uh, I mean, I thought he did really. Um, I thought he did really good in it. Um, Oscar winner, Will Smith. He's gonna he's <laughs> he's gonna get nominated for it. I almost guarantee it, and I wouldn't be surprised if he wins. I got to um, see this. Okay, I, you know, tennis. Venus yeah. Williams. <laughs> I, mean, I dug the film. You dug it. You dug it as yeah, well. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. It was very like sappy and like Oscar campaign central, but <laughs> it, it, it was just a good, a good, sweet, earnest film. I mean, yeah. And, um, yeah, and now, John Bernthal was fucking hilarious in it. John Bernthal was some of the best work he's done. I think <laughs> you, it's hard to believe this is like the Punisher, you know? Yeah, like, this is like not a fucking. He plays a lot of tough guys. He's not a tough guy in this. Um, he's got like a midwestern accent, and he's like in the fucking short shorts the whole time. It's so funny. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, man. I'm glad you liked it too. I, th- I think it was definitely worth catching. Uh, King Richard. I watched they they shall not grow old. The, oh, uh, the Peter Jackson documentary from about World War One. I mean, if you want to know what it was like to be in World War One, this is a rough watch in a lot of ways. I mean, there's some some kind of brutal stuff in here, but uh, you know, it's a fucking documentary about war. I don't know what I expected, um, mm. but uh, it was good. It was good. Lastly, uh, the last thing I watched, which is going to be be my main recommendation, I as I watched this movie, I said to myself at one point, "This is incredible." 
<laughs> um, and, and directed by, I want to say, oh, what the fuck is his name? I forgot his name, but the same guy that directed and um, Cool Hand Luke. I'm talking about Brubaker from 1980 with Robert Redford. This movie, you're, you're, you're muted, buddy. You're muted. Oh, boy. What are you trying to say to us? I, I can't believe you're saying I, I watched it, too. <laughs> did you take uh, Chris Deary's recommendation like I did? No, no. That I, is so I, weird. It's one that's Directed like, by Stuart Rosenberg, by the way. Thank you. I knew it was yeah. Stuart something. I wanted to say Anderson. <laughs> that was way off. Um, but, yeah, that's so funny, dude, because, like, I <laughs> like this is a movie that I'd never heard of, and then recently it's kind of, like, been bubbling up where I hear people talk about it a little bit with respect. I'm like, this should be on par as a classic. I mean, this movie's, I mean, this, I thought this cast was out of control. I thought it was really powerful. What did you, what did you think? Dude, uh, Morgan Freeman was fucking yes. fantastic, dude. Yes. And very young. I think this is 1980. Uh, right. Yeah, dude. Uh, some really interesting things to say about prison reform. A yeah. little dry for me. Like, you know, some of those old movies, they just go on and on. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I fucking loved it. Uh, Bob Redford was off the charts in it. Yeah, yeah Koto's in this as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah Fat Koto's fantastic. He's killing it. Uh, Everett McGill, I want to say his name is. Yeah, dude. the dude really? from uh, Silver Bullet. Silver Bullet, yeah, doing some really good stuff here. Yeah. Oh, the uh, guy who plays the priest? Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> oh, a, hell yeah. There's a bunch of... There's, there's like, the, like the fucking... Uh, I can't think... One of the orderlies from One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest shows up in here. One of the... I mean, like... One of the dudes from Network, and, and which I, I kind of thought of Network a few times watching this movie. Not that, like, the, I mean, it's not Lumet, you know, but like, um, it's still like, I don't know, there's something about like trying to, like, this one man trying to like turn the tide of like a corrupt yeah. system kind of thing happening here. I don't know. I really, really liked Brew Baker yeah. quite a bit. And that would be M. Emmett Walsh is in this. Oh, boy. I mean, fucking Wilford Brimley's in this shit. Like, it's just a nonstop barrage. 35 year old Wilford Brimley. So weird. Yeah, yeah. He's like younger than me in it, and he looks like my grandpa. Out, out of <laughs> all the movies, <laughs> yeah, it's a fuck. Yeah, of all the movies, yeah. we just happened to both watch that movie. <laughs> that so is weird. funny. I, I heard something the other day, real quick, about Wilford Brimley. Kapal uh, Rudd was recently named a you know people's sexiest, sexiest man. man. Yeah. He's fifty, at yeah. least, and he's the same age as Wilford Brimley was when he did Cocoon. That's true. Which he was, for the record, Brimdogger was um, kind of done up for Cocoon. Like they, he like gained some weight for the role. True. They dyed his chest hair, even in like his facial hair. Like they, like they did some stuff to make him look older. Because remember, like if you, he loot, like they all get like it's like the Fountain of Youth type thing. So they all kind of like get younger in the film. So like it kind of makes sense for him to play that role. Just for the record, just to come to the man's defense. Yeah, you know, nobody ever comes to Wilford Brimley's defense. Glad you did that. <laughs> what have you been watching, buddy? Aside from uh, Brubaker from 1980. I got to watch also, this. I got to get out of it. It was on my yeah, list of Redford yeah. movies, including uh, uh, the one where he's out in the wilderness. I got to watch that one, too. So. Oh, don't watch Jeremiah Johnson. It's so fucking boring. Oh, really? Oh, okay. it's, it's so boring. But it, it's the ultimate gif it's the yeah, defining gif, gif no. on the internet i gotta watch it no Re uh, read read liver eaton johnson which is the actual autobiography of jeremiah johnson's fucking read. awesome <laughs> read? No, no, <laughs> um man shit i watched i watched a lot aside from brubrecker i checked back in with best in show 2000 still absolutely holds up i had to go to imdb christ you know christopher guest we're where is he? He hasn't yeah. directed since For Your Consideration 2007. What's going on here? He was just in something, though. I swear I just watched something really? he was in. Yeah, I got, I'll got. i double-check that. Huh. Perplexing, man. Uh, yeah, so talented. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, hilarious. King Richard. Okay, uh, I had never heard of this movie. I vaguely remember hearing about this musical, but I, I didn't know they turned it into a movie. And Lord knows, anytime there's a movie about like a dance competition and they're like, is auditions and stuff, I, I'm there. I love every single dance competition movie. I can't help it. Uh, Save the Last Dance, Flash Dance, every, all of them. A chorus line. A Richard Attenborough film from 1984 starring Michael Douglas. Um, I had no clue this existed, so I hit play on Amazon Prime. I, I dug it. Uh, the the music was truly bad, mm. but like I liked the way Attenborough directed it. it had a ton of energy. Um, I mean, all that jazz is still by far the best movie about like um, a dance troupe in New York, especially it's unbelievable, but Michael Douglas really good in it. Uh, incredible acting by mostly just stage performers and dancers. I liked the film. Uh, what can I say? Um, the big town. Okay. I'd never heard of this from 1987. Uh, Matt Dillon, Diane Lane, Tom Skerritt, Bruce Dern, Tommy Lee Jones. Are you hearing this cast? Uh, yeah. it, it's solid. Yeah. Uh, it takes place in 1957. It's about, uh, Matt Dillon plays like a craps player who like he's a young guy. It's kind of I think it's actually written by the guy who wrote The Hustler. Uh, so he's like this craps player who goes to Chicago to try to like, you know, make the big score. And he runs into all these ruffians and, and this truly distinctive. <laughs> by ruffians. Jones. Yeah, sure. Uh, check it out. Uh, check it out because I dug it and it really flew under the radar in 87. Uh, but I really like the film. Bruce Stern is fucking awesome in it if you're a if you're a fan of the legend uh but yeah solid film awesome um up checked in with up i sat there and i'm like all right i'm not gonna cry i'm gonna sit here i'm gonna keep it together i'm not gonna literally as soon as it started they didn't even show that all i saw was the disney logo never saw it i never saw it by the way so it's i mean all one of the all-time beginnings of any film animated or otherwise it's it's actually got a problem in it in that it's like it never like it's the the, the opening so good that like it's like Saving Private yeah. Ryan, yep. the opening so good that like it never recovers. That's you, funny. You I was actually thinking it. best openings ever. I watched. Uh, yeah. This is a side note. Uh, Monty Python: The Holy Grail is one of my favorite openings That's ever. So. <laughs> that movie carries on and stays good. That's wow. true. That's a great topic. Uh, best openings ever. This is one of them, man. And and you're right. I mean, it's it's so powerful. Uh, okay. I sat there for the full six and a half hours and watched Peter Jackson's Get Back uh, Beatles documentary on Disney Plus. How was it? That's on my list. I fucking loved it so much. I I I would pause it often just to see how much more there was left because I didn't (laughs) want it to end. It's one of those. Wow. It is. I'm, I'm. I know what you're thinking. He's going to say it's the best music documentary he's ever seen. It truly is. I, I've never seen such an immersive documentary that truly takes you right there into the the, the entire process of making an album. Which is in your defense, people is. are saying that people are. I there's mean, a lot of write ups already that this is the are. best doc music wise ever. I mean, Jackson seemed like after watching um, "They Will Not Grow," they shall whatever the fuck yeah. grow old. I mean, that seems to be <laughs> that seems to be his thing. Like, I mean, I like again. I, I mean, my fat ass has never been to war, but I mean, like. I, like, well, you're not a man, by the way. My, I've never, I'm not a man, so I picked up a gun. Um, but I, uh, you know, 
I felt like like Jesus fucking out of all the thing I've I've seen on this, like I felt like I was in it. Like, you know, like you really feel immersed. And that seemed to be that was what he was going for. And, yeah. and I like the idea of a studio better. Oh my God, dude. I felt like I was sitting right beside them in the studio, like uh and, and to be able to strip away like the gravitas of these undeniable legends and just make them seem like regular people without any um fanciful showmanship it was truly remarkable that's all i can say a 10 out of 10 a plus it's a fucking unbelievable also um, i heard that uh the rest restoration of it it looks so good too is what i've been told I, like how the people are wondering how he pulled it off because this is so old <laughs> yeah it's 53 years ago and that's one of the first things i turned to Ange and said it looks like it, it, it was made yesterday it's crystal clear and completely relevant i mean you talk about just the process of, of of these artists trying to make you think of these some of these songs is just like that they're they've been written since time began but you sit there and listen to them literally work out the lyrics in the studio work out the notes and you can see the other band members faces when they realize oh shit that sounded really good play that again what was that and like one one yeah. of them's like i don't know i just made it up I it's like on this it's like magic i had goosebumps for six straight hours i'm doing it this weekend <laughs> i'm doing it this weekend then I went into the Seinfeld vortex and I can't climb out. Oh boy, you poor bastard. We've all been there. It's okay. But to my credit, like I've never really, I've always been the type that's like, eh, first couple seasons are trash and then it kind of picks up. I kind of <laughs> appreciated those first two a little bit more this time yeah. around just for what they were trying to find their grounding and their footing and just some, some fun stories, but you got to see that documentary. Oh my God. I'm on it. Uh, I did start watching the new Curb episodes. I'm only a few in, but so far. Bum, bum, bum. Classic Curb. Yeah. yeah. Michael? What you been watching, buddy? Oh, that's it. Okay. Wow. Uh, strong recommendation on the Beatles there. I don't want to be trendy, though, so I won't watch it for a long time. So. Of course. We know I'll you. watch it in two years from now. and You'll be like, oh, <laughs> man, I should have watched it. <laughs> <laughs> know thyself. <laughs> Uh, actually, I don't have Disney Plus. I probably would watch it, but watch the Gordon uh, Lightfoot, then watch the Beatles. Gotta give it. I gotta watch, watch it. Shit, I gotta I watch. You gotta text me every day oath. to remind me. God, I gotta watch it. Solemn oath. I have to do that. <laughs> I have to do that. I really want to watch the Gordon Lightfoot one. I'm such so an good. idiot. I, I did try to. Fo- okay. Oh, uh, all right. I remember this now. In my defense, I did look for it and I couldn't find it. I did try to find it and I couldn't find it. And I didn't have an Amazon Prime membership, right? You said it's on Amazon Prime. Well, a year okay. ago, when I strongly recommended it, and you said you'd watch it, yeah. Shit. Well, I, ha- I, some reason I got a Prime membership for three, like a month here for free. Right. I'm going to cancel it, of course. I'm not going to pay for it. That's how you do it. That's how you scam the big man. The scam the man. But He's going to suffer without your money. Fucking A right, Bezos. <laughs> Jeffrey, <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. CEO of Trumpinor, born in 1964. <laughs> So catchy. By the way, that showed up on my end of year Spotify rap list. It was fucking ho- maybe laugh. It was one of the backgrounds to the videos. I started well, I'm gonna do one of those lists in two years when it when it dies down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyways, the, I did use this Prime to access some movies for a month or so, but I also finally started watching. This is way behind, and I didn't mean to be way behind. I just never got a chance to watch it. Mrs. Maisel is so fucking good. Yeah, this is, is such. There's so much going on with this show, man. There's so many deep layers about, you know, uh, 
oppression, uh, avoidance of reality, and, and how, particularly with women, of course, and family dynamics where we expect people to be a certain way. And obviously it's based in the late 50s into the 60s, so I get it. But it mixes in historical elements like like Robert Moses stuff from New York that like jumps into her life. She just got, it's like a Forrest Gump without being like shitty. Like it's done really well. She just kind of bumps into Lenny Bruce. Oh, hey, Lenny Bruce. I just kind of ran India. It's really, really good. I'm in season two right now and I'm going to continue watching the shit out of this show. I I just can't get enough of it. And one thing about it more than anything, Travis, is (laughs) I cannot get enough of Tony Shalhoub on this show. It's one of his best performances of all time. He's so commanding and so (laughs) dominant. Every yeah. t- I mean, this guy he plays is just, it's a fascinating dude, man. It's so fascinating. Yeah, I'm ready for that next season. It's been a, it's been a minute. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Oh, has it been it's a while? Like, yeah, um, I think oh. Kobe fucked it up or something. Okay. But I'm ready for that. I think season three or season four they need to get to. I can't remember which one. I mean, I've watched at this point. But, God, well, but yeah, I, I also really enjoy it. I mean, like, every character you kind of fall in love with. You really do. It's fantastic. I, I really hope there's more seasons left. I feel like, Eric, I don't want it to end. I really don't. So, yeah. And with Kevin Pollack and Tony Shalhoub going head to head as these elder statesmen, old time yeah. Jews, they're so good as these. He's so annoying, and he's annoyed by him. Oh God, it's yeah, great. Their relationship is just, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's hysterical. God, it's hysterical. I'm so glad I found it. I didn't really want to avoid it. I just didn't have it. Now I have the yeah. access, and I love it. All right. Uh, and Excellent. that woman, uh, Rachel Brosnahan. Uh, yeah. What from, a find. Uh, from what well, she was in uh, House of Cards. She At what point? A, was it early? I, I stopped yeah, watching yeah. after a certain yeah, season. Yeah. So. I think we all stopped watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, um, earlier on, she was Ouch. the um, she was the prostitute that uh, they had to like take care of. That uh, oh, um, uh, Kelly had to take care yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that about shit. that. that, I, I've, that show is just wiped from my memory for some reason. <laughs> yeah, like, memory hold as it probably should weird. be. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin, <laughs> and everyone else yeah. involved. We had great run with swimming and sharks when we were kids. We enjoyed it. Swimming. David Swimmer. Swimming. David Swimmer was <laughs> David Swimming with Sharks. David Swimmer with Sharks. Uh, uh, don't don't bite me. Don't bite me. Uh, movie wise, I, uh, 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 Twelve Angry Men, the '97 oh, version, was on oh, YouTube, yeah. and uh, yeah. I was like, oh my god, I, I just Will had Peterson. to turn it on. I know, yeah, Bill Peterson. Kelty Williamson, uh, you know, Hume Cronin, yada, yada, yada. It hit just a massive cast. George C. Scott's still there. Jack Lemmon towards the end. I can feel the knife going in. Yeah, It's so intense, man. It's, yeah, and, you know, and a younger Courtney B. Vance, who gained a lot more fame recently. So, so uh, good. very good movie. Obviously, the original is a classic, but this one is just as worthy, in my opinion. Bill Friedkin. I, I, yeah, it's done by Bill Friedkin as well. Well said. Well yeah, said. Underrated. Uh, terrible movie I never watched. Finally knocked it out. Uh, Heartbreakers with Sigourney Weaver and what? Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh-oh. Yeah, oh, yeah. That in theaters, I think. Now. Oh wow, you yeah. poor bastard. Yeah, <sighs> Jason Lee's in it too, and Gene Hackman's in it. Yep, and it's just awful. It's just yeah. awful. It's not, terrible. Like they're terrible people, but it's not like enjoyable and funny. It's not redeeming in any way. It's like I don't want to be here at all. Though so, that's a waste. Don't watch that movie. <laughs> I don't uh, want to be here. I remember not liking this movie when it came out, but I watched it re- here last week, and I really enjoyed it. Intolerable Cruelty. I didn't love it when it came out, a Coen Brothers movie, um, but I really enjoyed it this time around. It just kind of, sometimes these movies, they do this. They switch gears on you, and they, they just kind of fit into your profile of understanding. I don't know what it is, but. I mean, it's famously bad. I haven't revisited it in a long time. Maybe uh, maybe I wasn't ready for it. I agree. Well, 
I, I don't know. It was, uh, the older I am now, I just kind of like the, the whole process that Clooney goes through. You start, it makes more sense. They're both going through. They're like trying to be these scumbag assholes, these cynical people, but love can still find a way. I, I don't know. It wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible at the very least. Uh, I've never seen this movie. It's called The House Bunny. It's so dumb. Uh, yeah. I don't know why oh, I watched it, but I, I like Anna Faris. I, I love Anna Faris. So that is why I watched it. You're oh, absolutely right. Why I watched it. That's why it is a, it. <laughs> it's a Happy Madison production. So it tells you all you need to know about it. I never saw this one. The Flash of Genius with Greg Kinnear. Okay. About the guy who invented recently. the. Uh, Oh, yeah? What'd you think? Yeah, windshield wiper pick. I like it. <laughs> That's, <laughs> windshield what I wiper pick. That's what I said to Leanne. Like, I just got done watching a movie about windshield wipers. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I what? Kinda, I kind of forgot about it as soon as it was, as it was over, though. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's a true story, of course, yeah. based on uh, Dr. What's-His-Face. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Is but a Celtic last name? Gaelic? What is that? He did, uh, he did invent it. He invented the uh, mechanism that we still use today. And he, he made a lot of money off Ford and Chrysler later at great personal sacrifice. So, uh, it's not a fun movie to watch, though. I mean, you just If you have to be down with history like and just be willing to accept that, because if you don't, you're going to hate this movie probably. Like, it's... Do you have to know your windshield wipers? Like, <laughs> you don't. You don't really need to know intermittent. You don't need to know what levels, how fast. Intermittent levels. Yeah, it'll yeah, make you more don't... sense if you do. But you sure, don't yeah, sure. Does it get uh, into whether you pull the knob or like put it up or down in order to work the wipers? Voice activated originally. They they oh. changed the technology. No shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does have Dermot Mulroney. So if you love Dermot, Dermot Mulroney, Mulroney, then you've got to watch Mulroney. this movie. Don't we all love Dermot in a way? I mean, he's he's just that guy with that he's yeah. got that voice and that he always seems like he has a Dermot chaw Mulroney. in his mouth, even though he doesn't. I'm not sure why that is. Dude, but. it's not a pyramid scheme. A lot of people think it is, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, his name's Doctor Robert Kearns. That's a real human being who really did help sure. move forward. The he needed a doctor to help him with the the intermittent windshield wiper. He's a doctor of engineering. A yeah, doctor. he was an engineering. Doctor. He was a PhD not a real doctor. Yeah, you know, not a what's the other one? Medical. A medical yeah. doctor. That's, no, MD? Medical. MD. MD. That's what I was grab, That's grab a, I feel you'd be really familiar with MD, Travis. Moroni MD. Uh, I watched, I never saw it, and Travis said he loved both of them. The Exotic oh. Marigold Hotel. <laughs> First one. I liked, the second one was okay. Jesus. I liked the first oh. quite a bit. Apologies, apologies. Uh, very enjoyable. Uh, yeah. You know, old people yeah. going to India. White people go to an exotic place. Yeah, you okay. got Dev, though. You got Dev Patel on there, right? Early Dev Patel. You also got uh, uh, Bill Nye? Nihai? We figured it out. It's Nye. Nye! The end is Bill Nye. It's I mean, you got the heavy hitters, Maggie Smith and uh, Sir What's Her Face, Sir oh, What's Her Face, Sir, Sir Judy Dench. Dents, thank you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Sir. Wilford Brimley, I think he shows up in this one. Right? <laughs> Why not? Yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> he just got back from a flight on the latest Cocoon ship. He's gonna. That's it's, this is. It's actually a sequel to Cocoon at the end. It's kind of a prequel to the next Cocoon. It's uh, a, it's very yeah, the, it's like the, the one point B, one point two. <laughs> At the very end of the movie, Cocoon shows up. So let me. Like, so there's two of these. Like, there's a sequel. Yeah, they, the second next best, <laughs> second best. Sorry, the second yeah. best exotic. Okay. Uh, I, think it is the second I best haven't seen it. So. Second best exotic. Oh. I watched them both back to back in the same night. 
Nice. Yeah, what man. a night that was. I'd never seen it before. I sat down and watched one of them. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? I watched what the other night. Show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the sequel's the second best. You're right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I watched an awful movie that I actually turned off, and it stars, and Gary Oldman's in it. You're like, Harrison Ford is in it. You're whoa, like, whoa, what? Whoa. Yeah. Don't you have any idea what I'm like, talking about? Air Force no. One. No. Oh, uh, oh Paranoia. No, paranoia. Yeah, yeah, Paranoia. Oh, uh, I don't know this one. Oh, it's awful. It, it, so it stars the lesser Hemsworth brother, Liam, as a guy who has to steal information from the other company. Gary Oldman wants him to steal proprietary info from Harrison Ford's company, and the hijinks begins. Paranoia. So, oh, I remember the previous couldn't, I just can't take... Liam Hemsworth's not... Liam Hesworth's not a great actor, uh, unfortunately. I'm sorry. He's very attractive, so that'll always serve him well in life. He'll never starve. He'll always be... You know, given a, he does. His brother is just filled with cash, so he's got that going for him. So I'm not going to feel bad for him, but that movie sucked. Oh, God. Watch a surprising <laughs> movie, and this is directed by Chris Evans, uh, you know, Captain Rogers himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. You seen this it? one, uh, Before no, We Go? I didn't mean to watch it. How was it? It's free on YouTube if you want to throw it on. Uh, we just we were skimming through about, trying to go to bed the other night, and Leanne's like, we were oh, swimming through it. We were swimming. We were swimming. <laughs> We were swimming all were swimming through, and uh, Leanne's like, oh, put that on. I'm like, okay, I don't care. We're going to fall asleep anyways. But then she watched the whole thing, and I was like, damn it. We watched this whole thing before we go. Not bad, though. It's actually pretty good. It's just Alice, Eve, and Chris Evans. And they're just, this is a very oh, bare bones movie, yeah. running around New York late at night, talking about life. If you're into movies like, you know, Before, before Sunrise. Sunset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Okay. I, think, uh, I like that sort of it, stuff. Slice of it, life. It was yeah, it was it was solid. Good job for Chris Evans. It was a, from okay. 2014, so it looks like it was like, hey, I'm Captain Rogers now. Let me do this. That's probably what happened. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it goes. You guys see this one? <laughs> oh, this is uh, yeah, this is Diane. This is Diane. Uh, oh, Diane Keaton. Yeah, we've, I, I, did I watch this with you? Probably. <laughs> 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 it felt yeah. I could see that happening for oh, sure. Hang because on, don't tell me this is like a trivia game. Is this the one with? Is this the one with Michael Ke- uh, with Michael Douglas? That's right. Okay, I watched this recently. I actually liked it. What do you think? I didn't hate it. Um, it certainly felt like it was trying to be a Nancy Byers movie. It's actually directed yeah. by Rob Reiner, who yeah. stars. He co-stars in it with a toupee. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, there is oh, people. It's easy to dismiss those kind of movies, I guess. But if people do go through pain, they sometimes do turn into assholes. It is real. It's not like Absolutely. I would dismiss all of those type of roles. Anyways. That's worth seeing, but I didn't think it was that great. So. I mean, it's for Diane Keaton fanatics like us. <laughs> she does cry oh, in the movie a lot. God. In fact, one you of her bits it. in the movie, one of her yeah. bits is that she cries while she's singing and stuff. Oh, it's great. Oh, I got a lot God. of laughs out of that, Travis. I, think I was I thinking of you. I think I recommended this to you back when I watched it. I'm pretty sure. I'm like, this is Diane Keaton crying. You got to watch yes, it. Yes, you're right. <laughs> All right. Yes, that does too. that does sound familiar. It's just it's a niche thing. What can I say? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, there you go. Let's check a... in with uh, Hawkeye. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been watching Hawkeye, of course. Oh, is that out now? Yeah, um, we're halfway through. We got three more episodes to go. But yeah, I've been oh. watching it. I'm I'm happy. I'm satisfied. I've never been on the team that, that that pretends like they don't like Hawkeye. Hawkeye can run with gods. Hawkeye's a fucking badass. I've always liked. Hawkeye. <laughs> um, so okay, yeah, sure. and, and so I'm happy to see him with his own show. And I, and I think that uh, Haley Steinfeld is just doing a real nice job fitting fitting into the uh, the, the Marvel world very well. 
Yay! I watched one other movie, but I think I'm going to save it because it might be my recommendation or my choice for my next choice. So, no, I did, uh, hold off. It's odd because I did follow up one prison reform movie with another that I forgot to mention. Chattahoochee. Gary Oldman, hey, Dennis hey, Hopper. Way down under on a Chattahoochee. <laughs> It gets, gets hotter. What yeah. it get a hoochie hotter? coochie. Oh, a hoochie coochie. coochie. I don't know what that is. That's a I'm dance, but it's sure not. I know what that is. Oh, okay. All right. okay. Never realize I'm on a water man to mm-hmm. me. To me. But I learned. <laughs> a lot about living and learn about love. It makes sense. The, the, the movie's about as good as that terrible song. It's not very good. I think it's like the first starring role for Gary Oldman. And like he's good in it, but it's about like this Wait, horrible. It's like 88. Oh. Pick up your ears before yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's about it. T- it's a period piece. It takes place in the early fifties, and it's about like the these horrible conditions in a Tennessee prison. But like the conditions are so horrible, and that's all they focus on. That you're watching it, and you're just like, this is disgusting and not entertaining. So I ended up turning it off. I mean, love Gary Oldman, but it was too much. Francis McDormand, but I just had to shut it down. What are you do? Not your fault. Uh, After that, I watched, played uh, the I played that beautiful song. Well, I went down. Nobody, uh, nobody watched Home Sweet Home Alone yet. <laughs> no, no, I uh, haven't, haven't, haven't bothered. Good, glad to hear that, Eric. You did remind me of this a couple weeks ago. I did watch the Attica documentary on Showtime. Oh my it's god! Really, really, Travis, you should watch this. Yeah. Uh, fantastic it's very very just like the world war one peter jackson it's very it gets so graphic uh but they're trying to really show you what happened it's it's one of the most brutal things that ever happened in the history of this country which is saying a lot it really is or at least one of the most brutal things that was captured and reported properly by you know reporters and outsiders at the very least awful just an awful Everybody, guards, prisoners, it was just the worst. So, <laughs> But it's definitely something everybody should see because it's very poignant for today's world. All yeah. right, that's it. We're done. We'll Society. Thank you. Yeah. Society! We all know there's nothing wrong. We're singing you guys songs on today's Cinema 9 edition, sure. and it's the like holiday that. spirit. We're excited by the Chattahoochee and society, and as we move <laughs> in to the... We're excited by the Chattahoochee. We're excited about the Chattahoochee. As we move into our main event, don't forget... Uh, Five-star review. We love it. Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. We'll do something for you as well. Like I always say, I'm happy to... It's the holiday season. I should give back. So if I could do something for you, just let me know what it is. And if it's within my means, I'm happy to accommodate. Or uh, or subscribe to our YouTube. That would be cool, too. That would, yeah, that would be great, too. Oh, look, we just got a ha-ha emoji. Yay! Thanks for the ha-ha emoji on our Facebook, which is also a place you can check out the show. But yeah, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let's pump up those numbers, man. Let's pump it up. Pump it up! Elvis Costello? I thought we were going to... Oh, oh, pump up the jam. I thought we were doing... I just thought we were singing the rest of the show. No, let's get into it. It's time for Travis's selection this week. The main event. Does it hold up? 1993's Fire in the Sky, which is not Fire in the Gym, which is a song that immediately came out of my head when I sat down to watch this yesterday. I just started uh, singing it like fire in the gym. And I'm like, where is this coming from? And I thought it was talking from, about, so I'm telling I'm about to tell you. So yeah, I'm we, trying to figure out, <laughs> I know you guys are excited. David breath. Where, where did this where, fire happen? in the gym? It's something in my mind from a pop culture reference, but I couldn't place it. And I thought it was from like three o'clock high or some dumb eighties movie. I'd watch. I Google it and I find out 
It's from an episode. It's a real thing of the new Leave It to Beaver from 1987, okay. which yeah. I didn't remember really at all that that was a show. Mm -hmm. And I started watching the episode that the song is in where Beaver's kids and Eddie Haskell's yeah, kids Kip. come together. Yeah. Oh, wow. You were. <laughs> you see this? Kip Cleaver. Oh, yeah. Is this, I know like, the gym. Is this currently. <laughs> I don't know. Kip started a fire in the gym. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for so I wasn't alone. Okay. I just couldn't believe it was a show. I watched it for five minutes and I wanted to like die. Terrible. All these old Leave It to Beaver people were there in the show, except you know the main old dude Hugh Downs who died. Hugh Downs. This is like the original reboot. Hugh Beaumont. Yes, it was. It really was, Travis. 1987. Like, hey, let's start to reboot the 50s stuff. Not a good yeah. idea. It doesn't really hold up. Yeah. Yeah. Like Anyways, uh, <laughs> Hugh Downs, 2020. <laughs> it was a prelude to 2020, yes. But of course, Fire in the Sky is much different than Fire in the Gym. Oh, Fire in the Sky starred D.B. Sweeney, Robert Patrick, uh, Peter Berg's in this. Damn, yeah. Henry James, James, James Garner. Garner. Hey, I'm James Garner, oh, and I'm playing the same tone of voice in every film, whether it's Maverick or anything else. All right, you bet your bottom dollar. <laughs> so, <laughs> Travis, you chose... Or Chattanooga. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just the same tone always. I like his delivery, though. He's enjoyable. What the hell are you stopping for? We left him there. He's dead, jackass! We gotta go back. No, no way! What are you talking about? No, maybe we do gotta go back. No, 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 we no, no, we don't know that he's dead yet. I'm get out of here. Get out of here. I'm going back. If you don't want to go get out of the car, I'll come pick you up later. You can't do this to us, man. What if you don't come back, man? Get out. Go, man. You gotta go. Get out. It'll be all right. You stay by the road. Yeah. Travis, you chose this film, so uh, take us back in time, man. Where did it all begin? Uh, it all began in the movie theater in the year 1993. <laughs> um... I watched this movie and uh, was freaked out by it. And I think I may have watched it one more time on video shortly after and haven't watched it since, you know, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it since then. I watched it forever, but uh, I kind of had an experience over the summer that uh, I saw something in the sky over the summer that just, I just haven't stopped thinking about um, so I've been wanting to watch and now I, I'm not saying I got abducted by aliens for the record. I did not. Um, but I just saw something that couldn't really explain. So it's just kind of been in my head for a while. I just blew Michael's <laughs> mind. He just knocked over his entire screen. Did you call it DB screeny? DB screaming. <laughs> oh, I thought the, no, that's DB screeny. Cause it's a green. Hold it up like this. I do this for the rest of the show. Here, just keep doing that. Anyways, keep talking. I'll work on this. Okay. Um, but yeah, no. So I, um, I've been like, yeah, I've just been puzzling over that and thinking about that, and been like, I've been wanting to watch this movie since. And damn, talk about Travis. aliens. And, I'm, so, uh, I'm so surprised because you know when we first met, that's what we would talk about. We talk about alien. Come on, Ekak, don't yeah, wake up. We would talk about Fire in the Sky all the time. Um, I'm surprised yeah. when we saw it a couple of times. No, I only saw it a couple of times. It left a, it left an imprint on me. Um, you know, it's a, it's a freaky ass film. 
Uh, YouTubers, if you're watching, you're treated now to Mike Govier's butt. This is his That's butt. true. This, this is, is just, his, a, just like a butt. Sweatpants laden ass. Just, just a butt on screen. Like it looks like he's trying to make his butt talk to the microphone. Like it's like uh it really does look like a, yeah, it looks like a, a nest of Kleenex or something. I can't really make out what I'm looking at. <laughs> looks like a like Pac-Man just ate something sour. Yeah. <laughs> a star like pit if it went to Gucci and spent like a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, yeah, so, bizarre. so I've been meaning to watch Fire in the Sky, and I thought, why not make you motherfuckers watch it with me, and we'll uh, talk, make? talk. Well, you know, make, because we, I mean, you don't have to watch the movie for the fucking episode, I guess, but I, I presume that everyone watches them. <laughs> um, so uh, coerce you, I guess. I'm not trying to, like, step on your toes. I'm just saying, uh, you know, I, I put you guys through this as well. Well, I got to tell you, Travis. Uh, yeah, I saw this in theaters in 1993. I absolutely, very distinctly remember seeing this because um, I first saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, where the turtles, of course, go back in time to feudal Japan. And right after that was over, uh, we went into the other screening room at Brighton Cinema because my brother and father were in there oh, about nice. to watch Fire in the Sky. So here I come from this sweet, <laughs> slightly lousy sequel to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I go into this um, extremely horrific horror movie that I just was not prepared for. Is it a horror movie? And, oh, I mean, when you walk out of the theater, you're convinced you just saw a horror movie because you are <laughs> shaking and sweating. Um yeah. But I, I, I will never forget it because this was March of 93 and our local cinema, Brighton Cinema, um, recently installed the DTS stereo surround sound in anticipation of Jurassic Park, which was going to oh. come out in a couple of months. So this is the first time I remember being in a theater where I heard this immersive surround sound. The butt just ate the microphone. Yeah, the, the latex butt ate the mic. And here he is. There he's back. So, yeah, I wasn't prepared for this at 12 years old. Whoops. Whoops-a-daisy. Yeah, it was, right, a, it was a bit of a mind blower for 12. Yeah, 12 is a bit young. That's why I wanted to see yeah. it as an adult man. I guess you're right. There, I didn't want to pick another horror movie. This is kind of a sci-fi thriller, I was thinking. But, there, I mean, it's pretty horrific in a few moments. You're right. <laughs> what about uh, you, Mike? You remember the first time you saw 1993's Fire in the Sky? And was I it sure do. Day? It was last night, absolutely. I'm back here, just in time. Let's see how long this green screen holds up. Uh, thanks for the butt jokes. Those were great butt jokes, by Play the way. Like and uh, Dion Craven says, "But, but, so, thanks, it, butt Mike. Oh, butt, butt Mike. Yes. Oh, butt Mike. Which is yeah, a local yeah. uh, reference for radio people. All right. So, uh, yeah, I watched it last night. So I'll talk more about that. Anyways, uh, of course, we always look at the. I didn't look up the score. Did you guys look up the score? I actually, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm Why? gonna guess. I mean, it's not like a beloved film. If you talk about it, people go, "Oh, the eye, the eye scene," you know, like the the drill in the eye. Uh, so people remember it, but I don't know if they like it. I'm gonna say five point <laughs> nine. Yeah, I'm gonna say this is uh, like a six eight. Ooh, six wow. eight. Mike's being pretty generous. It is a six point five. All right. Yay! Yeah, okay. Got cult status. I think those yeah. people who saw it do at least remember. It's very memorable. Very at memorable. Least. Yeah. Yeah. I thought people would 
be really into it. They'd push the score up because the UFO freaks are a big contingent on the internet. I don't know. I just conspiracy. Yeah, conspiracy freaks. Uh, you know, those types of weirdos out there. Now, there's anything wrong with looking at that type of stuff and believing in it. I don't have any disrespect. I think it's a fascinating subject. I certainly do. But I'm just saying it's a strong contingent of human beings. Anywho, uh, as far as Rotten Tomatoes, Fire in the Sky. Uh, this movie came out a while ago, so, you know, it's not exactly a movie that we're going to expect Destin Thompson to comment on, right? I don't feel like... I, I think this is pre-Thompson. Pre-Destin. Yes, this is, <laughs> it's definitely pre-Thompson. Uh, 42% <laughs> from the critics. That's not great. Which is, that's bad. And f- audience score, though, 57. Yeah, Still get- a tipped over bucket of popcorn. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, as far as what the critics had to say, well, they are obviously disappointed with it, so there's going to be a lot of negative reviews, but, you know, there's always the positive one. How about Bill Clark? Bill Clark, from the most bland name for a critic ever, <laughs> an intriguing film made all the more noteworthy due to its nightmare-inducing sequence onboard an alien ship. Oh, boy. I mean, in a lot of ways, the movie gets going once we get to the ship and then the movie's over. Oh, I got more to say about that. Uh, Roger Ebert, who was in his prime at this time. The movie's flaw is that there's not enough detail about the aliens. And the movie ends on an inconclusive and frustrating note. I agree with the second part, but I mean, how can you go into more detail about the aliens? It's a vague eyewitness account that's not even true. (laughs) <laughs> all right we'll talk it more about that too based on a true story at the beginning eric we didn't true even story. get inspired by in that <laughs> stretch in hey i case. saw this guy on joe rogan so i don't know what yeah, you're talking I about I saw uh malcolm there's only one page of this is the lowest amount of reviews for any of movie we've done so far one page so we got to go with malcolm johnson from the hartford current this might do for a television report on humans who have enjoyed or hated close encounters of the third kind. But for a movie, especially an only fleetingly artful one, it seems unduly coy. Unduly I agree with that. Coy. I agree with the unduly, unduly coy. coy. I do. Yeah. I mean, in the very opening, it's very unduly coy. Like it starts out <laughs> like, like, oh, it's fucking headlights. These aren't real. And then like, and then it gets James Garner and he's like, oh, and, like see like lights across his face. It's fucking like the. Uh, yeah, the yes. Track. The jump scare bullshit. That's <laughs> the one I was thinking of. Jumps, that's more bait and switch. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but like, it's, there's it's, a, okay. There's a lot yeah. of that in the movie where it's like, uh you know, oh my God! Coy. He stopped at a railroad crossing. Yeah, that is come on. That is unbelievable. Isn't that yeah. a tragically hip album? You're going free, and I'm unduly coy. Fully, completely coy. So that's it for the reviews. Very minimal. Okay. But unduly coy. This movie is. This movie is awfully, awfully paced. Just awfully paced. Uh, the pace is a little all over the place. I mean, they're, they're, I think that they're trying to follow the, like the story as it happened. Like, cause yes. these, like these events did take place in as much that Travis Walton, by the way, there's a good, th- it's a good thing that none of these characters were named Eric or else it'd be really confusing. Cause we have a Mike Rogers and a Travis Walton in this, in this show. That this is movie. true. Um, but you know, uh, Travis Walton did disappear for like five days and people were looking for him for that period. Um, and now, was he like in, like in someone's basement hiding? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Or in a water tower, a quarter mile away. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, was he there? 
very likely. I don't I don't fucking know where he, where he was. But I'm just saying, like, uh, there are aspects that are demonstrably true. And then, of course, you know, other. So aspects. have you looked into, like, the bullshit on this stuff? Because I, I couldn't find or maybe I didn't put enough time into it about the supposed. I, yeah, I read Travis's nature. book. I've been following the story for years and years. Oh. So I, I've got my, my opinion on it. And we can talk about the whole the the liberties you need to take for a dramatic structure because this is a good inkling for a story people yeah. think that these friends murdered one of their co-workers and friend and what happened that investigation took place so you got to start with some nugget and then hire a screenwriter to, to base it off around that i mean yeah and that, that's the problem is that, is that we, you go in watching this movie it's called fire in the sky it's written by a on a by a famous uh, alien abduction case you know that the real story here is that he was abducted by an alien but like two-thirds of the movie is like did they or didn't they actually kill him so uh, I, like it's like a, I think a lot could have been served by like having the film be inspired by walton's story and taking a lot more liberties with it where like there's like where you're watching the movie and you don't know that that there's an alien element to it and you're like you think you're just watching like a, a thriller like did these guys or a drama like did these guys really do it because you're like watching the whole movie like most of the movie and you're like, well, <laughs> like, well, no, there's no tension here because I know that I mean did, that they didn't do it because there's well, going to come back and he was kidnapped by aliens. Even even if you don't know the story of Travis Walton, you could go into this film and if it were structured differently, you you it could actually be a mystery. There could be a point to the James Gardner character because <laughs> instead of just showing what happened in the first ten minutes, keep it a mystery. Yeah. Like, like, why do they just show exactly what they purport to have happened immediately? Why, it, why don't they do save it for the uh, at least the polygraph test an hour in? We we're supposed well, to think that that this is there, it's being called into question and there's some sort of mystery here when it's basically telling us what actually happened. Well, we don't. We I mean, like, it's not immediately, but yeah, it is 15, 20 minutes in. You're right. Because <laughs> it well, it's kind of a weird um, book casing that they do here or book ending here that they do here because like the movie starts and like they're driving away from the fire in the sky and they've left uh, Travis Walton behind. And like, so like right. you, and so, and they, and they get in the bar and it already seems like people don't fucking like them. Um, yeah. So like, you know, like, yeah. So like, and and then yeah, 15 minutes or so goes by and they're telling um, Garner and Willingham, like what what happened yeah and, but at but at no point do we ever think that these guys may have murdered travis because we already right. seen that they didn't that that he got into this car and blah 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 or at least they saw something in the woods there's never any doubt or mystery about whether there's foul play here yeah not really and for them to and for them to follow that that thread in the film so closely makes it kind of a misfire in that sense yeah no it does that is very much true what what they love the fact that they make these guys seem not to be morons, though. They really push the the kind of agenda here that, oh, these guys are just backwoods idiots because they all constantly get into fights uh, in every scene succeeding. Hey, oh, I said what I said to you. I said what I said to you. All right. Hey, well, come on, guys. They're in their happens mid, like five times. They're in their mid-20s. And while watching this, I did recently, I, I was thinking a lot about Backdraft. In, in that film, this dynamic really worked. Um, because it, it, it introduced the characters in a, in a really nice way. It showed the dynamic, who likes who, who's aligned with who. And actually, in, in Fire in the Sky, I do like the early stuff when they're actually doing the work and logging. And, and they set up this possibility that, yeah, 
maybe someone might set somebody up and and, and this and that, but it, it it goes nowhere. Like they drop off these characters. The second Travis gets saved, we never hear from anyone else again. Peter Berg's character, Henry Thomas's character, Craig Shepard, they're just gone. <laughs> um, I yep. also, I mean. Like they had to try and keep the movie interesting, though. So you get like you get like this opening bit where Craig Sheffer is like trying to drop trees on DB Sweeney, and then he's like <laughs> holding like a, a a running chainsaw like inches from his face, and like Robert Patrick is the boss is like watching, like, "Hey, do that like seven or eight more times, and I might think about firing you." Um, uh, Travis and- Walton says that really happened. Uh, it basically, that morning, the Dallas guy wanted to sleep with his girlfriend. He tried to sleep with his girlfriend, so he was really pissed at him. They just changed what it was that they were pissed oh, about. Okay, I didn't know that. So whatever. All right. Well, th- then that tension does make sense. And then, and then after that, Robert Patrick has to create tension by going around and yelling at people, kind of unnecessarily. <laughs> 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 I, no, I won't do a, a lie detector. No, I won't do a lie detector. It's like, oh, he's yelling again. Yell more. What's the character motivations are very clueless in this movie. And, you know, that bothers me. And I, that bothered me as well. But I really got bummed out with the fact that they show up at this place. And you're like, oh, what's going down? And then they got to go back to like, hey, it's morning at Mike's place. And DB's getting on the motorcycle yep. slowly but surely. And then he slowly comes back with donuts. Oh, we got to fight about a mortgage. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck about that. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, man. It's all very shot in the golden hour. And then he's like, this is yeah. our future. This is our future. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want him to be like, what, a child's drawing? <laughs> What's like, oh, we get man. it. We, like, MT we Motors, need- bro. MT Motors. MT. Uh, but and they want to make us yeah. care about the characters. And, and I get that. Yeah, and, I can appreciate and, that. And, and there's a lot about this movie like i think so bill pope is the cinematographer here and i think he does such a great job that you almost forget in some senses not with the direction not with the acting not with some of the structure like especially what we're talking about here with this beginning of this you almost forget that it's an early 90s movie because it looks really really fucking good and forward thinking which i mean this guy went on to do matrix he just did sean uh sean sean chi um so i mean like this like so there is uh, some good stuff here, but yeah, that that early bit for me too is, was pretty rough. Like trying to make me care about these characters and all these golden hues, and there's this Romeo and Juliet shit with the fucking window, and I'm like, eh, you're just really lacking. Yeah, pretty we are here for a specific purpose, are we not? For this yes. movie, and and, and 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 the movie does really get going once we get to the alien shit, and since we don't, since we know it's coming, the the movie doesn't. Like they like it's I mean it's already like an hour and fifty minute drop twenty minutes bring us the aliens earlier uh, get rid of a lot of this character building shit oh because no one's no one's really here for that they want they want the the alien story we don't give cue a fuck. the maple syrup that scene's work that scene works really good it makes me like want to not eat maple syrup so with the exception of probably Whitley Strieber's communion. There really haven't been, there, especially at this time, there weren't any films about extraterrestrial life that weren't just straight action movies or sweet family movies like E.T. and Close Encounters or fucking Mac and Me. Wasn't the um, uh, wasn't Arrival that Charlie Sheen? 96, yeah, a few years later. Oh, so okay. I, I, I do like the fact that this is a, a, you know, a movie about aliens that is actually... A drama slash mystery slash thriller. Yeah. So in that respect, it was very unique. Yeah. What I don't particularly like is the fact that you take away kind of that 
Sagian, if you'll allow it, <laughs> wonderment about the possibility of extra life and replace it with just like horror as if we're supposed to be absolutely terrified of anything else uh, outside of our world. Uh, Travis Walton himself went on to say that he didn't want his story to ever inspire fear in people, regardless of his own <laughs> traumatic experience. And this is like some people's most fucking uh, number one horror movie. If you, if you go around asking, <laughs> um, I mean, in the book, does he talk about being held down by alien creatures with like this weird fucking, I don't know, clockwork orange milky bath thing going on? Like, um, no, I mean, down? So that's yeah, all, that's all just how yeah, it, it, it's all, Made up by Tracy Torme, the screenwriter. This the exact uh, word, literally. Like, uh, no one cares about what really happened. What really happened? He woke up. There were some things there. He tried to hit him with a stick, and then he passed out. Uh, that's it. Everything else. So is you think that really Hollywood. happened? You think I don't think happened? so. <laughs> I, I think there's a, a overwhelming evidence that I've been following for the past thirty years that says that. Uh, they were about to be fired from their contract. They recently read that the National Enquirer was offering $100,000 for evidence of UFOs. Yeah. And they made up the story. Travis hid in a water tower a quarter mile away and uh, came back after three days. And everyone agreed that they would share the profits, which they're still pissed about not getting percentages of to this day if you if you dig around online. So. Yeah. And, oh, and really? They had, yeah. And they had he and his brother had talked about... Um, something like they talked about this kind of stuff well beforehand which on one hand like if you're already some sort of alien enthusiast that would explain why you got out of the car and like walk beneath it because what like travis you really are an asshole like this or is, an <laughs> idiot yeah like, he oh, acts like a fucking dumb clown like, like for the was... first chunk <laughs> mm, <laughs> yeah he's not a bright bright dude hey um, mike <laughs> <laughs> i drive my motorbike on the sidewalks um <laughs> uh yeah, so I mean, I don't, I don't really buy his story either. You know, I, I don't buy alien abduction stories. Now, I, I, I do buy UFOs stories. I mean, at this point, like, I mean, I, I have seen that. I have talked to many other people who have seen that. We have footage of that kind of stuff uh, released by the Pentagon at this point. Like, what? Now, no one's saying that these things are all aliens. We're just saying that you know these are unidentified things. Yeah. No, no one knows it, and regardless if they're right, real or not real, people are going to take advantage of the possibility. In fact, uh, two weeks before. This supposed abduction, uh, a, a documentary about Benny and uh, Betty and Barney Hill, which mm. is the classic uh, yeah. abduction, yeah. was televised on on an episode of of, uh, of something or other, which he probably, mysteries? Uh, mo most likely saw and was inspired by. So yeah, so uh. I mean, yeah, so taking Travis's story um, out of it as being sure. like, no one like, is it a good movie? Um, yeah. I find it like, um, again, like the, the best scenes are all in the spaceship, all that stuff, like the fucking hallway with all like the, the glasses and the shoes and awesome. shit like that's So creepy. Like the idea, of, but at the same time, part of me is like, so they let people like rot in these cell sacks and they like, but then they're going to drive you home. <laughs> no sense no sense at all you're exactly thinking what i was thinking like what this is like a feel obviously the matrix stole some of their ideas from this scene as well through these pods and I yeah eh, i thought of that and then it's like wait 
what is the purpose of these aliens? Like, they're, it's supposed to be an advanced type of race of creature or whatever the fuck it is, you know? And they're just idiots. Like, they just poke and prod like morons. They don't have anesthesia. I was kept thinking of this a lot. Like, oh, they wouldn't use anesthesia at all. Like, we're the ones to create that. They've probably got, like, something way beyond that that they would put into you. They're not, like, all evil beings. It's just so... It was all stupid. Yeah. It really bothered me. The whole well, scene, I didn't give a fuck about. That's probably what I do like about this version of the aliens, because they these are some rough fucking aliens. These are like, these aren't like, hey, we are an evolved like space traveling people. Like, check out our space dump that we don't. <laughs> we got shit all over the place. We don't really clean up <laughs> ourselves. Our technology's slimy and our like, space um, dump. And they don't give up, like, I mean, they, they treat the humans basically like how, I mean, imagine how, like, uh, you know, that's how some people would treat a rat today. If they <laughs> it, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, they're treated like a, like a sub, like a below, like a lower level species that they don't care if they're hurting it. They don't give a fuck if they hurt it. And that, to me, yeah. makes sense. Well, what but, do you do but, when you catch your fish? But, but, yeah, right. Like, the, like, but, but that all goes, well, I, but yeah, like, you might, you might put a fish back in the pond, but you're not going to drive it back to the exact same spot that you pulled it out of the lake from it. Be like, okay, <laughs> now you go back to where, you know, cause you live in Arizona. <laughs> still yeah. like Arizona, right? Like All right. Arizona. Got it. Got it. Bring yeah, it back. We, we got it. <laughs> uh, I, I still, yeah, I'm still just bothered by how slow the movie is to do anything. It's always going to bother me. Uh, and I, and I'm just not into the, I, I was like fascinated. I did look up Travis Walton bin. I was wanting to know more about the story, but I'm kind of bummed out that, all this stuff was just made up, and this movie is kind of caught in two worlds of trying to be scary a bit and frighten you, but be slow, slow to get to the point. By the time we get to the maple syrup, I'm done. I'm just like, I don't care anymore. Oh, I really man. don't. That is so far along in the movie by then. And that's where the movie really picks Gosh, up, which good. is what I'm saying. They needed, right. to, they needed to do this at the beginning of that act, basically. Like yeah. they, needed, they needed to do that a lot earlier and uh, end the movie sooner. Um, maybe draw out some more of the alien shit. Like you could have even drawn, you know, given us even more of that if you needed, if you really wanted to. And it's misrepresented, know. you know. It's misrepresented as DB Sweeney stars as Travis Walton, and he's really just like a a motivator, a piece of the action that people are playing off of. Obviously, Robert Patrick, I said earlier, he's the main character in this story. It's all about Mike Rogers and his experience, and they try yeah, to bring it all I mean, together at the end. But by then, I'm like. I'm sorry. Well, I, 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 I'm sorry, but I, I do actually kind of like that about the movie because since Travis doesn't remember much about his experience and he was just a victim of trauma for most of it, I think the actual story is going to come from uh, a friend who yeah. was supposed to help someone who went missing and then what he's going to do when this small town scandal arises and you're dealing with these accusations and these police procedures and this community and how they can so easily turn on one of their own when suspicion arises. I dig that stuff. I just think a little bit too much is spent on that as opposed to, I don't know, maybe how Travis got himself out of this trauma as opposed to uh, right <laughs> after this horrible scene, the next scene he's like making pancakes with his kids and everything's fine and dandy. Like, give me another 20 minutes to show yes. how you deal with something with the liberties taken on the spaceship tell me how someone who deals with something this so this traumatic uh gets out of that state regardless of what what it is or what specifically happened yeah no you're right i mean all the all of this red herring did they kill him bullshit 
in the first like two like literally two thirds of the movie drop that back by like a third and and spend more time with the star of the film supposedly and watch him overcome this stuff because you've already turned the movie into a drama anyways so yeah to to have him being like cowering naked shivering on the floor uh then like you know going to like uh the cold sweat and the hypnotherapies bullshit and then and then like i'm a father of two like just like bango bango i'm back to work like that is a bit of a jarring leap yeah james garner walks out says oh i'll be back if i gotta come from the north pole i'll be back all right that's it i will say this there's only so many movies in the world where both james garner and noble willingham are in them in a scene together and they're both wearing cowboy hats i mean that's just like the most natural thing in the world (laughs) that is very natural i would concur definitely concur these two giants in a 90s film wearing cowboy hats in a scene together it's great it's beautiful yay i love to see it I, I don't know, man. Like, th- there's truly effective moments that don't just take place in, on the spaceship for me. In fact, the scariest part for me is when they first find him at the gas station. I still remember sitting in the theater getting really scared and covering my face with my coat when his girlfriend goes to touch him and he just starts screaming. And you got to think about how we know now that physical touch will literally light up neurons associated with trauma and pain and, and and just how real and fucking freaky that is. This is not just like an episode of the X-Files or some bullshit. This Feels is, like it. There's some humanity here. And, and it's parts like that that stick out for me, personally. Well, you, the mute button is easy to hit for a moment. So, Oh, you had it muted at that point? I could have. I'm just saying. I actually you didn't, didn't like do that. like DB but. screaming? DB screaming. I have DB's, that note. I actually have that note. DB screaming, then I have DB floating later on. <laughs> yeah, the DB jokes are more entertaining than this movie, which... Also, if your <sighs> friend finally turns up and is naked and shivering at the sight of you... Do yeah, you, you call the aliens. You immediately call ufologists instead yes, of the you police. call Afar, which is not Amfar, by the way. Afar. And everybody's yelling like, Hey, my friend uh, seems traumatized. Let's all let's all get into a boxcar and start screaming <laughs> at one another. Box this movie car. manufactures a ton of chaos, unnecessary yeah. chaos. Yeah. I am yelling. I am yelling. I am pissed. You are pissed. I, I have that note a few places. Robert Patrick's yelling again, like, <laughs> like this, like yeah. now he's got a goatee. Now he's got a full beard. Now he's clean and shaven. Um, yeah, um, Peter Berg <laughs> is in this. Peter Berg is in this movie. It's like wasted. he doesn't exist. It's wasted. Just, Peter Berg is wasted in this movie. Henry Thomas is wasted in this movie. There's yes, Henry really, Thomas. Really talented guys who, and and we get way too much Craig Sheffer. Who no, thank you. And yeah. um, this other guy who actually did pretty good. I think Bradley Greg uh, was his name. He was actually pretty good. But 1993 like, oh. was the year that Hollywood went all in on Craig Sheffer because A River Runs Through, it came Why? out right before this. And the program came out the same year, which he stars in as the quarterback. And that was it. And people were like, you know, we Whoa, don't really dude. like Craig Sheffer. So we're going to forget on about Heartbreak Hotel where uh, David exactly. Keith played Elvis. Come on. Uh, there you go. I, you know, and that's another thing is that the movie is mixed up on because I actually do think that the stuff when they're all in it together like when they're all like yeah when he drops them off out of the car they're all the, in the road they get spooked by the bird or whatever like, mm-hmm. like like the dynamic between the crew is actually pretty good and pretty it well is. acted yep. and yes. just and just kind of like left on the table like it's just kind of they don't really like you know like once it's just like it's just stuff to fill space until db sweeney gets back 
But it's like, well, shit, you actually had us kind of starting to care about these characters and like learn about these characters, and then like they just get, they just get they're they're gone. You're right. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a problem. We know this is an abduction movie, so we know that. Travis Walton's going to come back. So the fact that you try to manufacture this murder plot, which would be like, oh, yeah, you guys did kill him. Okay, Absolutely. yes, but you you carried it on for way too long in the movie because we're coming into this knowing he was abducted in return. That's it's not it. a secret. That's what I've been saying. Set it up as if we have some friends. Put them on this logging trip. Set up the character relationships. Have that actually be a mystery. Did yeah. they kill Travis? Yeah. But the actual people that get abducted in this movie are those supporting characters because they're <laughs> halfway through. Well done. Well done, sir. That's funny. Uh, um, I have nothing else to say about this movie, so you guys say whatever else you want to say. It's just whatever. Yeah, so, I mean, um, I think that this is actually the, the least amount of notes I've ever taken. Uh, we get we, – we, we only get one uh, racial or homophobic slur, which is an, oh, boy. not that bad for an early 90s movie. Yeah, for an early dining movie based in the 70s. That's really impressive. Go us. Go team. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I laughed pretty dang hard when um, he's getting sucked up, which the lights are doing a lot of work. Speaking of industrial lights and magic. Um, the eyeballs? Um, no, no. Earlier, when, when the actual fire in the sky is happening, he's getting sucked up. And then Craig Sheffer rolls up the window. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. I'm like, yeah, man, roll that fucking window up. And, and honestly, get the hell out of there. I'd leave Travis, too. I laughed when the syrup was poured on his face and his eyeballs went up in his head and it flashed when his eyeballs went up in his head in the light. That yeah. made me laugh. I was like, <laughs> that's so stupid. It was, hard for me to laugh. <laughs> it was hard for me to laugh there, Mike, because you've got this movie where someone is missing and they come back and they're clearly have experienced this traumatic event. And what do what does the entire community do? They celebrate with this stupid potluck. Yeah. You, it's like no one has a clue about the effects of, of, of trauma at, at all. And this is mid seventies backwoods America, bro. They, they really don't have any clue of trauma at all, but still like now a surprise party now. <laughs> well, how about, how about when they're looking for him in the woods and all of a sudden there's a native American, like fucking Bigfoot. That's just like, oh shit. <laughs> God damn you. Like, what is that? It's just like some dude in a fucking in blue jeans. And he just kind of wanders that. off. I mean, he, but he had previously just, just been standing stock still in the forest. That reminded me of a uh, full oh, body massage. Oh, man. That was terrible. Like, what's happening here? Oh, yeah. God. Uh, That's a good one. That was How a good about one. when uh, Craig Shefford calls James Garner daddy? That seemed weird. A little weird. So... <laughs> I mean, Rob Lieberman directs, and I actually think he does a, a pretty decent job shuffling his actors. I think we got good performances here. And aside from the Mighty Ducks 3, the guy's done nothing but TV since uh, that that effort. Yeah, I kind of think it's a shame because that like this doesn't really <laughs> seem like shame. he's done all TV stuff since since like the past 30 years. Yeah. But this is kind of it, it's a cinematic movie. Uh, yeah. And its scope and execution. So I, I would have liked to have seen more from the guy. Yeah, I think we made that clear, though. More credit to Pope than Lieberman, I think. It's a fucking Paramount picture. We got a major studio doing an alien abduction. You are drama. really grasping here, man. You were like trying to look for all the things possible to save this film. That's what persuasion is <laughs> all about, man. You got to build your case. Music sucks. Aisham just does a Ooh. terrible job here. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. like Aisham he's usually good. 
I mean, I think he's uh, adequate fairly often, but like early on, like there's just like these like these stings, these intense stings. Bum 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 bum. Bum 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 bum. I don't know, man. Yeah. I does does not do great work here. Indifferent there, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I do but it didn't right. really sit with me at all. It, I mean, like it's interesting. You know, this is yeah, this is DB Sweeney, Sweeney and Robert Patrick are the main leads here, which is not a thing you can say very often. I mean, I mean, DB Sweeney started in what this Cutting Edge, and Cutting Edge, baby. I think that's it. Topic. Well, he did play Shoeless Joe Jackson in Eight Men Out. That was yeah, he didn't, he didn't star in that though. Did, oh, did he? Well, well, that's like okay. It's not the starring role though. You're right, but it's like the most famous. You're right. You win. I, it's, it's I, still, I, I can see role, but it's not. Yeah, it's not lead. It's not the leading man. It is not the leading man. That yeah. is true. It was a short career for DB, was it? Yeah. <laughs> DB shortly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so funny, DB. Thank you for all the laughs, DB. I know. Uh, I don't know what DB actually thinks of this movie after the fact because they didn't bother to look it up. Nor do I care. So, uh, can we close this out then? Yeah, we can close this out. All um, right. You want to go first, Mike? Uh yeah. Well, it's real simple. Uh, this is a movie that actually was. Uh, I was kind of excited to watch because I hadn't seen it. I'm like, okay, well, I, I remember this. For some reason, like I said, this movie reminds me of The Rocketeer. I must have seen them in like back-to-back trailers on a VHS tape or something. I don't know. Way back in the day. Either way, this is not The Rocketeer, which I've also never seen. So next movie for me to watch is The Rocketeer. Okay. Knock that off my list. And I'm going to spend most of my time talking about The Rocketeer, even though we're supposed to be talking about Fire in the Sky. Now, the truth is, Fire in the Sky has a chance to really make it a an entertaining enough film where it would hold up because there's nothing controversial about it that would be like, oh, that doesn't hold up today. That's awful. So unfortunately, it's a missed opportunity from the film crew to really show you detailed breakdown of the internal trauma that this character was going through. All they do is show you the character from the exterior, D.B. Sweeney, the Travis Walton character. They don't really take the time at all to give him some more screen time, like like scenes with the doctor. This doctor seems to really care. Uh, maybe it's a sign of the times, though. It was the 70s. A guy wouldn't talk to a doctor like that. I could see that as well. I'll concede that as well. But online is his pacing's awful. Structure's awful. And it's just a lot of yelling and pushing for a while when it could have been a different movie. So to yeah. me, this movie doesn't hold up. Uh, I'll, I'll go next. I, I struggled with this one because I grew up with this and I check in every few years. I'm familiar with the story and I do actually like the relationships between the characters. I like the fact that they do spend a lot of time on character. It might not be the Travis character, but they decide to center it on the Mike character played, but played in my opinion, strongly by Robert Patrick. He's dealing with the, the town's accusations and and and, and this sort of thing. Uh, I I actually do think the film holds up for me, and it's not just because of the truly scary sequence. Even thirty years later, we should be looking back and laughing at some lame alien abduction uh, sequence, and yet. It's fucking scary, man. So for that alone, I think it holds up. But I also do kind of like just the story of these uh, characters. I like the, the the friendship and like the, the the loyalties changing hands. There's some structure problems, but for a for a major studio to take a risk on a, an alien abduction movie, I, I I'm gonna let it slide by with and it holds up. I I, I still like the film. Uh, All right. Okay. I gotta say, I, I, again, like I had seen it in '93, 
I, I really had no idea at all how this was going to play out. I, I mean, like, I just didn't know what I was putting on you. Um, and I'm actually, I'm pretty torn on it. I have some mixed feelings. There, There is a lot of trash here that was mishandled, that could have been <laughs> handled better, and not that, and that wouldn't have been that hard to do. You have a really fucking capable uh, uh, crew of, of actors here, and um, uh, excellent film maker and Bill Pope. Like, there's some really good elements here, and you got, you got, Industrial Lights and Magic doing the fucking uh, special effects here. I mean, you got some really, I mean, and the stuff like with the alien suits, like where you're like, oh, this looks terrible. And you're like, oh, it's supposed to look terrible. Then you see the actual aliens, you're like, ah, gah. Um, like, yeah, that's a uh, pretty, pretty well done stuff. So, so yeah, I, does this movie hold up like as a binary? Is this good or bad? I, I don't know. It's a weird movie. It's a weird movie. It's a clunky, funky movie. There's a reason why it's a cult movie, I think. And there's a lot of reasons maybe why it's a cult movie. Not, And it's not just that it's a fucking alien movie, although it's obviously a big part of it. Um, Mike, or Eric, you said um, that the uh, alien scene alone um, uh, is worth making, saying that, that it holds up. I'm going to say that that scene just barely tips me into does hold up status. I was gripped. I mean, much of that movie is like, wow. what the fuck is happening? But when it gets to that fucking scene at the end, when like uh, you're seeing him like with the stuff over his face and then what's going on with his eye again, who no. gives a shit if this has really happened or not? Obviously, yeah. like it's there there's no there's no way of proving it one way or the other. So who cares? Um, as far as like what's happening in the film itself, I mean, like I am like I was just like watching, like I just felt myself you know, literally on the edge of my seat. Uh, like with my jaw, just like, ah, like this is fucking ah, like this is hard to watch. Is it gonna go in his eye? You know. Um, so I'm gonna say, yeah, it squeezes squeezes into a uh, barely holds up spot. And if I had not the nostalgia for it, maybe not, admittedly. Um, but I'll, I'm gonna say that uh, th again, like you call this also, Eric, a memorable movie. I had not yeah. watched it in yeah. what a fucking thirty years yeah, or whatever, right. and it. It poked around the back of my brain that whole time, uh, and there's some there's some reasons why. So yeah, okay, okay. All right, so uh, Eric, you're next on the chopping block, eh? <laughs> if you want to call it that, that just yeah. made me really nervous. Get him! Let's get him! <laughs> uh, so, am I going to do a Christmas movie? That's the big question. That's the question. I'm going to do a L.A. Christmas movie, and it's not going to be Die Hard. Don't worry. Thank you. Um, but I am going to take us back to 2005 for a movie that does actually have a very strong cult status, um, but not a lot of people have seen it or remember it. It's uh, Shane Black's Kiss Kiss Bang. Bang. Did you get that? You broke up there. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Kiss Kiss yeah. Bang Bang 2005. Val Kilmer. A lot of people have Robert seen Downey this. Jr. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, made no money. Uh, well, I'm yeah, very surprised that you guys are saying that because, uh, yeah, slipped in and out of the box office, but big, pretty well, after the fact, called his, oh, yeah. Yeah, after the this fact. was a big video rental, I think. For a yes, lot of it's been a while for me, and uh, I'm curious to take another look. I forgot that it was a Christmas movie at all, uh, but yeah, it's been a while for me as well. But yeah, good call, cool. definitely. I think that makes sense for, for us to check out again. Good call, all right, awesome. Yeah, I think I watched it the first time like a year ago. Oh. Okay. I'll watch it again. Groovy ghoulies. 
Yeah, groovy ghoulies. Okay, set of an iPods in the can. Another episode for you guys to you know, break down, dissect, enjoy. Might enjoy it. That'd be nice. Either way, thank you so much, Travis. Fine selection, fire in the sky. That was fun. Next week, it's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, 2005 film, Robert Downey Jr., etc. Until then, uh, Mike Govier, he's Travis Roy, it's Eric Branstrom, all kinds of fun people who love the show and really want y'all to have a wonderful holiday season, whatever your holiday may be. Bye.